Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Matthew chapter 2. And uh, there's a lot of different messages we could talk about uh, for the Christmas, Christmas theme. And um, we, we could, I could take the songs we sang and break them out into sermon outline. They're just terrific songs. God became man, and he died for our sins, and it's just an amazing, amazing truth. And uh, so, but today I, I really felt drawn to Matthew chapter 2. We're talking about the wise men. Now, the wise men, they weren't there the night of Christ's birth. They were there shortly after, about two years later. We're going to ask ourselves a question. And this is, this is a sermon. You may, have, you may remember this. I used this outline in December of 2015. And I did modify it a little bit. So if some of you take notes, please forgive me. Um, but I really felt drawn to this, this particular text. It's amazing. How it, how it kind of connects with the Sunday school lesson we had, the woman who came to see Jesus and was weeping and, and anointed and washed his feet with her tears and dried his feet with the hair from her head and then anointed him with that alabaster box of ointment. And then we see these wise men come, and they bring these gifts to Jesus. And it's such a, a wonderful, wonderful passage. And the question that I want us to ask ourselves is, what made these wise men so wise? So we're going to start by reading Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, In thou Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. So they were, they were. I mean, the Bible says they were wise men. They were wise men. And uh, of course, we're just passing the Thanksgiving season and... uh, so shopping, a lot of people are into shopping. We don't do a whole lot of shopping, to be honest with you. We do some shopping. I talked to someone this morning. I want to mention her because I don't know how sensitive Mary Ellen is. But she, uh, 
talked about, you know, we do online shopping. Some of you like to do in-store shopping. How many of you like to do in-store shopping? Like to do in-store shopping? Oh, wait, do that one more time. You like to do in-store shopping. Raise your hands. Really? Wow. See, Joe's hand went up. Then it didn't go up. He reconsidered. <laughs> well, I'm not a shopper. And guys generally are hunters and women are shoppers. This is what they say. So a lady will go to a store and I need a blue shirt. So they go to store A, find a really nice blue shirt, good price fits, looks great. But you got to look at all the other blue shirts. And then you come back to store number one and then you get your blue shirt. Guys, most times, not always, and this, I'm not saying this is the best way, but we need a blue shirt, walk in the mall, there's one, <laughs> I'm done. All right, time to grab a cup of coffee. We're done. Hunters versus shoppers. There was a recent article where a British psychologist, David Lewis, reports that shopping is hazardous to men's health. You might want to take notes. He tested volunteers between the ages of 22 and 79 years old by sending them out Christmas shopping. He recorded blood pressure rates that, quote, what he said, you'd expect to see in a fighter pilot going into combat. <laughs> Some studies you can take easier than other studies, but that's what he said. According to the same test, only one in four women showed any significant signs of stress from shopping, just, of course, one of the many gender differences in America today. And uh, you ever ask yourself, of course, three wives, and we're going to get to the text in just a little bit, and, uh, and we do celebrate this time of year. It's a wonderful time of year. But someone had once asked the question, what if there were three wise women instead of three wise men? And this is just meant to be a little humorous. Well, first of all, they would have asked directions immediately upon commencing their trip, which would have allowed them to arrive on time. They were on time. Uh, they would have helped deliver the baby, clean the stable, stable, made a casserole, and brought cute little outfits that baby Jesus could have worn on his trip home. God chose three wise men for a reason. And they arrived perfectly on time. None of this, none of this was an accident. None of this was, I think, coincidental to a person's personal opinions or prerogatives. God, God chose them. And you know, we ask ourselves, well, how many wise men were there? We talked about this a little bit on, on Wednesday. How many wise men were there? Most people assume three, because there's three gifts, gold, frankincense, and more. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we don't really know how many wise men there were. There's most likely a, a pretty good entourage that came with them, the camels and servants and, and those kinds of things. We know they were called wise men, and uh, most likely, and this is without much contra uh, uh, contradiction, is they studied the stars. They saw this star. What an amazing thing that was. They saw the star. They knew something was going on. My personal opinion is, it's my opinion, is that I think that their interest in the star, interest in the coming king, started with Daniel's influence many years earlier, because these men came from the east, where Daniel was second in command of the most powerful kingdom on earth. I think that it's, it's, it's the influence of Daniel that, that led to this, personally. Where did they come from? Some thought maybe Arabia, some Babylon, some Persia. On Wednesday, I, I cited a, a person said, well, they may have come from the Parthenian Empire, which was a significant empire at this time. You know, those things are great questions. And have you ever seen, like, really good movies or videos, explanations on the Star of Bethlehem? Have you seen those? You ever, you never YouTube Star of Bethlehem? Oh, there's a few good ones out there, and they have a few different answers. I like, I think it was Jason Lyle. Uh, he's, a, he's a Christian uh, physicist. I think he's a physicist in discipline 
who uh, has great explanations for creationism and that kind of thing. But I think it was his conclusion. I, I, I like it the best. I'm not sure it's the absolute right one. Is God just put that star there at that time for this reason? I mean, the manner in which he did it is not really that important. But the fact that these men, these men search, and this is the point that we're getting to today. Because for a lot of people, religion's just, that's something you do on Sundays. Uh, or maybe there's an academic interest in, in, in religion, in biblical topic. That, that's the way it is for a lot of people. A lot of people, frankly, have very little interest. It's, it's anecdotal to their lives. It's like, whatever, you know, you go to church a couple times a year and, you know, whatever that may bring. I tell you what, what changes, what makes, what makes Bible-believing people, and I think we, I can say us, different, is that when we read the Bible, we read it as being the very words of God. And I remember, I didn't get saved till just before I turned 21, and I had very little Bible exposure. I went to church, they would read from it once in a while. Matter of fact, when I would skip church, I know you're shocked to hear that, is um, when I would skip church, I would tell my mother, she would ask if you went to church, and, and I lied. I'm not proud of it, but I would lie. I'd say, yeah, yeah, I went to church. What was it like? Oh, it was pretty good. We got there just before the homily. He read something from Matthew, and we left at communion. That worked every time I missed. I wasn't sure there were other books in the Bible, but he used Matthew quite a bit. But then I started going to, at, it was an independent Baptist church. That's not the critical point here, but it was an independent Baptist church. And God had started working in my heart as he worked in your hearts to the word of God. And when we actually read this, and understand, this is the most important book that was ever written bar none, and you read it for yourself. I remember, and I've cited this many times, but the first time I was reading it on my own, in my house, by myself, not at church, as I started this, maybe not the very first time, as I started reading, I'm like, I just felt connected. I felt as though I'm getting real with the most obvious, uh, magnificent truth in the entire universe. God, his word. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not avoiding it. I'm actually reading it. And these wise men, what happened was they weren't content to just being wise men. Oh, they had a job. They had a job to do, and they probably did a good job. They were searching for truth, and that made all the difference in the world. They weren't content to just have a job, content to just be religious. They're searching for a truth, and they weren't going to let anything stand in their way of getting to the truth. We're going to see a few things about this passage today. Very simple message, very simple passage. They were wise men. Why were they wise? Because in their decision to search for Jesus... They were wise. They were wise. We run across people all the time. We will bring up the topic of Jesus. We don't always wait for other people to bring it up because it won't happen a lot of times. So we bring it up. We open the door as best we can. We knock on that door. We raise the flag, whatever it may be, because we want them to know about Jesus. Some people, and this has happened, certainly it's not the majority of times, but it's happened many times over the years, when that topic is started, and maybe it's someone you're thinking about talking to, and then you're a little nervous, not quite sure how you're going to bring up the topic, then you bring it up, and they respond like flies to honey. And it's like, oh, this is so awesome. I, I've been praying about this. I've been wanting to talk to them, and they respond. The wise men were wise because they said, we will search. They were men of science, obviously of the stars. They came to search out the king of the Jews. They, they didn't know all the facts when they started, which, which tells us a, a little bit about their reckless abandonment. They didn't need every I dotted and every T crossed before we start off on this project. Now, you can tell they were not engineers. Nothing personal. <laughs> 
Sometimes engineers, to their credit, will have things really planned out. But sometimes if you need everything really planned out, you don't want to take any steps until you have all the answers. They didn't have all the answers. But kind of like Abraham, who searched for a city whose builder and maker was God, they saw a star, they knew the writing. There's something written about this star. I don't know the scope of all that they knew. Again, I believe it's from Daniel. I believe it's prophecy concerning the Messianic birth, that he'd be born in Bethlehem in that area, and that there would be a, a star. So they saw, and they saw this very unusual event. It wasn't just a star that's there all the time. There's something unusual about it. Don't know all the details, but they saw it, and they said, we will follow this. And it wasn't just like, hey, I have a hunch. I think I'll go to Sears today. Actually, I won't go to Sears, will I? I have a hunch. I think I'll go to, I don't know, some store. I have a hunch. That's not a big deal. You just go down the street. This was possibly a thousand mile journey. Don't know exactly where they came from, but it could easily have been a thousand miles. It could be that it took the bulk of two years to get there. Again, unknown, but they traveled a long time. They wanted to find out. They said, we will search because they searched. That makes them wise. And these wise men, they had an incredible opportunity they recognized that God was at work in the world surrounding them. They were wise. They, they knew that. God's at work here. Again, all the details behind the star, we don't know. But they said, it's not enough for us to say God's at work. It wasn't enough. They had to follow through on that. Why? Because God was at work. And as Christians, you know, it's not enough for us to say the world needs Jesus. Because that's important. It's important. We recognize the world needs Jesus. It's not enough to say that. We should never be content with that. We should always be the ones that say, now we've got to do something about this. In whatever way it may be, it might be holding a special, special, uh, special course. It could be one-on-one evangelism, which is the way it is for a lot of people. It could be special invitations to church. Whatever it may be, it's the realization. It's not enough to know something's true. But knowing something's true, we've got to do something about it. That's what made them wise. They recognized God at work in the word that was revealed to them. They, they, they evidently made some search of the Old Testament. We don't know exactly what they had, what passages they were looking at. But they were wise because they said, we're going to search. So something was said to them. Some level of, of exposure. The same level of exposure that maybe the person next to him would say, that's interesting. That must be some valuable religion to someone. That's what somebody else might say. To the wise men, they said, no, this is it. This is, God is working here. And, and perhaps they're of the mind where they said, I thank God for showing me what he's doing here. And I can't sit down. I can't just say, oh, something great was going on. I have no idea what it was. They had to follow through. So they're wise in their decision to search. They're also wise in their diligence to search. They were determined. They were determined to search. I mean, they just, they had to find out. You ever have something that comes up and you just got to find out? A lot of times it's what they said, what someone said, the cause behind some event that had happened. I've got to find out. It's like you sunk your teeth in it and you're like a, a, a hunting dog on a rabbit trail. You've got to find out. Well, that's where they were. They were determined in their search. Again, it's possible these men traveled up to a thousand miles. Camels and normal travel with the entourage that they had. In, Luke, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, we read down through, uh, through 13. In verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he, was, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth. 
and sent forth this. I, I can't believe he did this. And he slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had, to, which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So the trigger was two years earlier. And Herod killed all the children. Jeremiah talked about this in Ramah, how there would be weeping. He prophesied of this. And Herod actually went and did it. It's a horrible thing. If anybody hurt any of the children at Lighthouse, we would all be up in arms. We'd weep, we'd mourn with that. And Herod wiped out every child he could, two years old and younger, from apparently, apparently from when the, the star uh, appeared. But they were, they were also discerning in their search. In other words, they took counsel. See, and what I'm trying to point out here is that when you really want to know something, you're going you're you're to do something about it. You're going to be very reasonable. As a matter of fact, if you're really looking for truth, you're going to look, and this is truth from God. I want to know what he says. We're going to look more for that than we would for the cheapest price of gas or for the best place to shop, whatever it may be. And they're not bad things. But relative to our sense of priorities, this is going to be on the top. And that's why it's so satisfying. And not just for me, but I know for you also. When we realize we hold in our hands the very word of God. This is awesome. And you know what? It's not outside of this book. And there's, there's nothing missing in this book. There's nothing wrong in this book. But having the very word of God. There was something that these wise men saw, and they were very discerning in their search. They decided they're going to get wise counsel. They're going to discern on what to receive and, and what to reject. And, and they, they meet with Herod. They thought it was the natural thing to do. In verse, um, verse, uh, uh, verse 3 of Matthew chapter 2, it says, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They sent in him in Bethlehem of Judea. So they knew that when they decided, hey, something's going on here. Maybe we should check out to see what's going on here. And they said, yep, it's going to be in Bethlehem. And they read the, the reference here in, in verse 6. They referred back to Micah, the prophet Micah. Then Herod said, what a, what a wicked person he was. You know, I, I don't ever gloat. Yet sometimes people will say about someone that died, a bad person that died, someone who's really just wicked, not just a bad person, a wicked person. Well, they got theirs. And you might be true in saying that. I have a really hard time. I used to think that way more often. I have to say, I, I, I don't rejoice over, I never have really rejoiced, but I, I, I just feel bad for them. I feel bad for the lives that they led. I feel bad for the place in which they apparently are. A place where there is no redemption, a, pair, a place where there is no escape. And when I read about Herod, there's probably nothing that would get us angrier, nothing that would cause us to rise up in arms than to think that children would be in danger. Every one of us would fight with all that we have. I feel badly for him. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently the time the star appeared. And he says at the end of verse 8, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. What a lying, vicious person he is. What a monster that he is. But they were diligent in their surf. This is why they were wise. They, they didn't take it lightly. This is a very serious matter. It's a very serious matter. We've got to find him. If we've got to travel for years, 
I don't know what the toll it's going to take on our finances, on our, on our entourage, I would, but we've got to follow that star. There's no other place we want to be than wherever that star is leading us. That's where we want to be because we know there's something special going on. And they're very dependent in their search. In verse 9 of chapter 2, it says, And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went over before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. It's just amazing. They weren't sidetracked. They wouldn't be sidetracked by anything. Because they knew in their heart of hearts they just had to be there. And it meant everything to them. They were wise. You know, the application for us it has a lot of layers. But Christian, on a general sense, you know, are we searching the Word of God? This book has treasures in it, treasures. It's so often, I won't say it's every day, but so often as I read, I'm, I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh, that's so wonderful. We covered in Sunday school the last couple of weeks the holiness of God. Today we started the forgiveness of God. And every time you uncover one of these beautiful truths, these nuggets, like, this is so great. Why doesn't everybody know this? I mean, that's our opinion, right? We just want to tell everybody. And these wise men, when they saw this, they knew it was an opportunity they could not miss. And the third thing we see in verse, we see evidenced in verse 11, is they were wise, they were wise in their decision, wise in their, their diligence and looking for them. But then when it came to pass, they, they got to where they were going, they were wise in their devotion at the conclusion of their search. In verse, chapter 2, verse 11, and says, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know, a gift worthy of his lordship we see in gold. It's amazing here is, um, I think it's back in, in Exodus uh, chapter, I want to say 15, is we see that every... Every one of these gifts have an incredible tie back to the building of the tabernacle and the temple. It begins with gold. They would make the table. They would make the Ark of the Covenant. They'd make it out of various woods. The cherubim would be a pure beaten gold. Every item of significance in the temple, except for the brazen altar, was to be covered with gold. These, these gifts weren't just random, and it might be that these Wise men didn't know the significance of this. But if you, when you look back at the perfect plan of God and instruct his people for the very first time on a national level, the ceremonial, the right way to approach God, what do you do? He said, every, this has got to be different. It can't just be like any other place where you would go. No, 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 no. The house of God, the tabernacle, and, the, and then the temple has to be special. And the way to make it special is, is to make everything of significance in there covered with gold as a representation of the royalty, the magnificence into which the people are entering. So everything in the tabernacle is covered with gold. A, gold is, a gift of gold is worthy of his lordship. And you know, it's the very best you can bring. To this day, gold has immense value. What's, what's the price of gold these days? A little over $1,900 an ounce. And for the low, low price of $2,100, Brother Mike will sell you some. $2,100 an ounce. Wow. You know, I realize for you that may not be a lot of money. $2,100 for an ounce of gold, that's a lot of money. Gold has always had its place as a, a very, very precious, very expensive commodity. 
So this was a gift worthy of his lordship, gold. But then these next ones. Um, turn with me to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. We see in, um, in verse 34, this is, now this is very important. This is not, in, in Exodus we see chapters about 12 through 30, 25 through 30 more so. We see God giving instruction on how to build the tabernacle. And with the gold, he says, everything's supposed to be out overlaid in gold. Then we see the frankincense come in. Look at Exodus chapter 30 and verse 34. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, steak and, an and ancha and galbanium, these sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each there shall be a like weight. Now watch the significance he puts in this unique significance. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection, after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small, shalt put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee, it shall be unto you most holy. As for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make it to yourselves. According to the composition thereof, it shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that, to smell thereto, shall even be cut off from his people. It wasn't an execution. It was simply a physical separation. If you make frankincense, you make this perfume, which frankincense was a core ingredient, you make it for yourself, you will be cut off. This is something only, only, only to be used in worship, in, in sacrifice, in the tabernacle, and then in the temple to follow. It's a gift worthy of his holiness. Royalty gold, perfect without any contradiction, just so clear. But his holiness is, is presented by the frankincense. Frankincense mentioned about 17 times in the Bible. Um, it's a picture of praise and worship, like, like incense appearing before God, like the prayers of God's people appearing before God. The Magi were wise men, and they were wise in their diligence to serve to search, and they were wise in that they, they were discerning in their, in their search. They were wise... They're wise because of their response to what they found in their search. They found Christ. And when they found Christ, the first thing they did was fell down and worshipped him. First thing they did. Similar, this is why I, I didn't plan it this way, but that Sunday school lesson today, talking about the woman weeping and worshipping and the, the alabaster box. What a beautiful connection it is. The first thing they did. So what we see here is, that, again, the frankincense with the, with the, with the, involved in the worship in the temple. But then there's another ingredient, myrrh. Back up a little bit earlier in Exodus chapter 30. We're going to start in verse 22, read uh, about 12 verses or so, just, just to give us, we're not going to comment on it, but just to give us a context. Again, God giving to Moses the template on how to build the tabernacle and the temple. It says in verse 22, Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil in hin. And thou shalt make it in oil of holy ointment, 
Anointment composed after the art of the apothecary shall be an, anoint, an, an holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all these vessels, and the candlestick, and his vessels, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all his vessels, and the laver in his foot. And thou shalt sanctify them, that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be an holy anointing oil unto me throughout, throughout your generations. Unto man's flesh shall it not be poured. Neither shall ye make any other like it, like the composition of it. It is holy, and it shall be holy unto you. Whosoever compoundeth any like it, or whosoever putteth any of it upon a stranger, even shall be cut off from his people. What's really interesting, you have the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh dedicated in the temple. Everything had to be covered with gold. The frankincense, which would represent, it like gives the, the atmosphere in the, in the, in the uh, tabernacle and in the temple, that, that incense, that smell. God says this is a very special, a very special perfume. You're not going to make it anywhere else. This is meant for my place, my house. With the myrrh, he says, this is going to be the anointing oil. Every item in the tabernacle. He had, he had the, 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 the candlestick and the, and the showbread table and various implements that were to be anointed. He said, every one of them, every one of them, I want you to anoint with myrrh. And it's so astounding that God would direct these wise men. I don't know if they knew the importance of what it was they were doing. But what did they bring to Christ when they met him the very first time they saw him? They entered in with worship. They worshipped him. They worshipped this two-year-old child. These wise men fell on the ground and worshipped a two-year-old child and then presented unto him gold and frankincense and myrrh. A beautiful fulfillment. It just all came to fulfillment with Christ. Tabernacle in the Old Testament, Christ in the New Testament, God very particularly identifying Christ as the one. The wise men were wise. They searched, they were very diligent in their surf, search, and then the, the conclusion of their search, they met him with devotion. We're going to close with, one, with uh, verses, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's, it's amazing what they did. And they were wise. You know what? You and I, we can't be the wise men. That was a one-time event, unique, not to be repeated, not to be replicated in any way. It doesn't need to be. It's done. But the principles that made them wise, that really elevated what they did to such a high level, was not because they lived at such a time and in such a place and at such a job. That's not what made them great. What made them great was their search, their search for truth. They weren't going to get distracted along the way. It cost them a lot of money. It took a lot of their time. It was not a small endeavor. And then when they finally found the beautiful truth that they were looking for, the one they were looking for, they fell down and worshipped him. My, my friends, we're not them. We don't need to be them. But that attitude that got them to this estate, to where they're listed as a wise men, those are the things we can pick up on. You know, no, man may never know. Our neighbors may never know. Our family may never know. Our friends at church may never know. But God knows. 
those private times when we're reading our Bible, those times when we're seeking him in prayer, honestly, sincerely, Lord, I just want to know you. I want to know more of you. We study these topics. And in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we'll read these and then we'll close. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wise men. Oh, we don't need to do what they did. But we can be the way they were. And the question we need to ask ourselves, what's standing between us and where God wants us to be? Because whatever it is, it needs to get out of the way. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, the Bible teaches very, very clearly, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And most people in this room, if you were to ask them, when did you get saved? They would have an answer, when they got saved. When did they pray and receive Christ as Savior? If you're here today, and we're not identifying anyone, not asking you to stand up, but if you don't have a clear and definite time when you prayed and asked God to forgive you for being a sinner and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.